Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. This week, we're talking to Sharon Diorio. Sharon, do you want to say hi? Hi. <laughs> now, we, we had you on, man, that was back in 2014. We talked about Angular meetups, and we had you and Matt Zabriskie on. It was episode two. Wow. That was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, right after uh, episode one, which is when we talked to Mishko about how Angular came into being. So, yeah. yeah. And we're still here. Yep. Do, do you want to just fill people in real quick on where you're at now? Sure. I mean, as we all know that the Angular uh, landscape has changed quite a bit in the past four something years, I am actually still doing Angular. Although uh, with our last project, we actually did go through a choosing the framework analysis and landed back on Angular. So Nice. It's, it's always interesting to hear people going through that process and then, yeah, what, what is it that makes them decide to go one way or the other. So yeah. that might actually make an interesting Adventures in Angular episode. Have you come back on? Sure. Be happy to talk about the thought process we went through. Awesome. Well, uh, let's go ahead and talk about your story. Let's let people know who you are a little bit. To start out, I'm kind of curious, how did you get into programming? Well, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts, so clearly it wasn't something that was on the radar from the start. But at the time, colleges weren't really set up to do, I mean, the web wasn't a thing yet. So mm -hmm. the idea of doing something that was more graphical as well as programming related wasn't an option, but it became an option pretty quickly after I, I graduated with desktop publishing, moved on through doing like uh, technical support. And then as part of my technical support, one of my jobs was counting software licenses, which that sounds that old, yeah, <laughs> there, are people, <laughs> there are people that literally every day look at spreadsheets and that's all they do. And God bless them, but that's not me. So I, I asked for permission to have a database built and my boss said, no, but you can go to training. And I was like, okay. And went to training, loved that. I was like, oh my God, database is relational. Oh, blew my mind. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> and then um, put that relational database on our intranet with a little scripting language called Lasso, which was a CGI based type thing very, very early on. This was like mid nineties. And um, I was like, ah, oh, this is awesome. So I turned like probably two or three weeks worth of work every quarter into press a button. And um, so then I wanted to do that full time. Uh, and fortunately, this was like when the, the web was exploding. You could spell HTML and get a job. And <laughs> car, the company I learned this with was like, well, we can't make you a developer because you don't have a CS background. Despite the fact that I was working with their development group, et cetera. Of course. So I was like, okay. And went out into the world and found a job doing web development for a little company in South Boston called Mimeseye. And we were working on uh, like the Reebok site. Let me see. We did St. Jude Children's Hospital. We did FAO Schwartz. Those are the big ones I can remember. But, but that was really my first professional software development experience. So Wow. So... uh 
how did you wind up getting from there to doing things like front end, Angular, JavaScript? I was using a product called Code Fusion when I was doing my web development, and I oh, used the that. The good old product. days. <laughs> <laughs> I still have a soft spot in my heart for yeah. Code Fusion. It really did a lot, but you know, it it was for a long time that was. You did ColdFusion, you did PHP, you did .NET. There were a few weird JSP people, but we tended to just kind of ignore them. But And that paid the bills for a really long time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, I, I can't complain about, about the jobs I got and the work I did. But then there was a clear shift, early teens, like 2011, 2012, where it was like where middleware was clearly going away, that mm-hmm. it was moving in the direction of, you know, everything old is new again fat clients and fat services. And it was like, okay, well, where, what's going to be my evolution as a developer? Right. And, you know, the, the, the frameworks were starting to kind of mature a little bit. Um, this was kind of like still very backbone-ish days, but Ember was coming up and Angular was just starting to be like a spot on the map. And a company called Europro, which makes the shark vacuums and ninja kitchen products. Oh, yeah. They sent me this very weird job description that was so vague that I almost didn't take it seriously. I was like, "What? I, I'm, do you even know what you're looking for? Because <laughs> <laughs> this could be anybody and what makes you sure it's me? And I, I ended up talking to the hiring manager and he was like, basically, we're looking for somebody to train and we're looking for the right person to train to do this kind of JavaScript. He was, he was going forward with Node on the back end, Mongo. And at the time, they were using something called CanJS. Yep. Which I think we is did a still... show recently on CanJS on JavaScript Jabber. Hmm. I mean, it was pretty cool. It had one-way binding, but like a lot of frameworks, they get caught in t- caught in this realm of being supported largely by one smallish company. So the bug fixing and support was not there. And that's you know they had to write code to pay their bills. I fully understand that, and I appreciate every effort that they put into the product that they gave away for free. But at the time, it was also like we had an opportunity to kind of revisit some of those decisions. And I had evaluated Ember and Ember seemed pretty cool, but it was, there's kind of a mindset that people um, who are used to the Ruby on Rails approach have. And I always found it a little bit constrictive. It works really, really well if you stay on the path that they think you're going to stay on. But as soon as you deviate a little bit, you're deep in the weeds. Yeah, my experience is primarily in Ruby on Rails. And yeah. that is definitely true. Yeah. So then I found Angular and I took home a project of creating a list of sortable columns and a filter, which if people remember what it was like to do that kind of stuff in jQuery, it was miserable. You know, it was like a mishmash of plugins if you got that far, if you built your own, whatever. And this this took me like, like a couple hours and I was still a, a JavaScript newbie. Mm-hmm. And I say that as somebody who's been doing JavaScript since the mid nineties. I mean, truthfully working in JavaScript every day is very different than <laughs> using it to, to click a button here and there or use a jQuery plugin. So I came back into work and said, look, look what I did. And my boss was like, really? Yeah, you did this. I, I mean, I didn't take it personally, but I uh-huh. understood. Yeah. <laughs> and he looked at the code. I was like, you know, it was, it was maybe you know, 20, 30 lines of code mm-hmm. to do these kind of things. And he was like, this is our choice, period. Um, oh, wow. So that was, that was it. That was the beginning of using Angular professionally. We never once looked back on that decision with any degree of regret, if anything. It, the decision was confirmed. Yeah. Nice. 
So you've been doing Angular for a while. If I remember right, you you ran a meetup four Still years do. ago, five years ago. Still do. Yep. How did that how did that get started? The Angular meetup. So this was back again, probably oh goodness. It was before I, I was on your show in 2014. So mm-hmm. maybe 2013. I was whining in the IRC room, which back in the day was how we got support. And like you'd see Mishko and Igor in there answering questions for people who were getting up to speed on, on Angular. And I was whining in one of those rooms and, and I was like, well, where's the meetup for Angular? And somebody shot back at me, well, start it. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> nice. okay. <laughs> Which, you know, so I did. I went to meetup.com and typed in the information and one of the guys actually stepped forward and says, hey, I got a presentation. I'll do it for you for your first meetup. And literally hit enter and watched my inbox explode because there was such a pent up mm-hmm. interest in the framework that we had like hundreds of people within a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was the start. And I appreciate like, there's a company called Boku. Some of you may or may not have heard of it. They, they used to be much bigger in like the community organizing space, but they still do a lot with the T39 groups and such. But they, I appreciate they've provided space more than once for us for, for meetups. Very nice. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I've seen this with other technologies as well, right? It's well, I, I'm I'm really looking for a group that will do this, or I'd like to get better at this, and yeah. so you know, and somebody starts a group, and yeah, people just pile in. Yeah, it, it is really sometimes just striking the match on some very dry timber. Mm-hmm. Yep, and even if you only wind up with ten or fifteen people, I mean that's still enough to get together and get started and help each other out. Yeah, and if it grows, great, and if not, then you make some really close friends. And there's, you know, I, I sometimes wish that we had more room for more intimate meetups because I, I've also gone to a couple of the Cold Fusion meetups in Boston, which God love them, they're still there. And it's usually a small, like 10 or less kind of group. Right. But it's, it's you get to, you really get to pick people's brains on things and understand their problems at a different level. So yeah, and I wasn't trying to pick on Cold Fusion. I just remember when it was really, really big <laughs> back when I was working in IT at the university. And that's what they were using. So yeah, yeah, I pick on it a lot, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know enough about it to really, you know, punch it in the nose. But anyway, so so I'm also curious. You spoke at NGConf uh, back in 2014. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? And do you have any <laughs> advice for people that want to go speak at, you know, meetups away from home or conferences or things like that? Well, I I recommend getting more experience under your belt before you go speak at a conference with 800 people. <laughs> I had spoken maybe three or four times in public before I, I joined up with that one, but it was a different kind of landscape. They, uh, you know, Angular was so new that the people who got into it early really had a leg up on mm-hmm. on this stuff. So now if you would say that I'm going to go do a, a talk on, on Angular at any conference, you've, you're, you're up against some people who've been doing this a long time. But as far as the advice goes is the first advice is start with meetups. Meetups are always, always, always looking for speakers. More than likely, they will help you with your topics. They will give you helpful feedback if you ask for it. You know, it's, it's a great way to, to try out some ideas in a more friendly and supportive environment. And then it's really kind of just, you know, go for it. So some conferences will help you again with ideas and such. If not, any of the people in the, in the community like myself, among others, will be happy to just, you know, sh- bat around ideas. Right. There are some books 
trying to remember one that people recommended recently. You know what? I will, I will get back to you on that because I don't want to waste my time thinking about it. There's actually a book on, on actually creating some presentation slides and such that, that works well. But yeah, it's really the big step is just kind of getting over your own fear. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that like, oh my God, people are going to think I'm, you know, stupid or, you know, the imposter thing, like they're going to realize that I should never have been a developer in the first place. <laughs> and now they're going to have proof. But yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I, I did Toastmasters for a long time. And yeah, I mean, I wasn't talking to them about programming, but when it came right down to it, just just the practice and building good habits really helped out. And then, yeah, I'm making sure you're prepared. I think NGComp also provides coaching now for... They do. They, so. um, NGComp is almost turning into like a public speaking boot camp, from what I understand. Yeah, they, they do a lot of stuff and go way out of their way to make it worth speaking at and make it easier on newer speakers. So, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious, though, what, what other things have you done with Angular? Like what kinds of apps have you built or community um, contributions have you made? I have been mostly in, inside applications. So when I was at Europro, I was doing, we were working on a logistics application that was very data heavy. The, the beauty of that is that we had a lot of control over what browsers we could tell people to use, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Then I moved into educational technology with Elastic.com. I don't know if you remember, and as a kid, they used to have those book fairs. Yep. Well, they also provided some products to teachers to help at-risk students learn how to read. Okay. That product got bought by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, one of the big mm-hmm. educational textbooks. And we were, we were building that out. And I knew that ed tech was where I wanted to be. And there's, there's something really cool about doing work that you know might actually impact somebody's life in a positive way. And it's very different from we sold more vacuums today. Yeah. And well, then, I, I identify with that a lot because that's what the podcasts and all of the other work that we do here at devchat.tv is about too, right? It's, yeah. you know, getting a better career, you know, or, or getting into a programming career. And then making your life better as you move along and provide better opportunities for yourself. Yep. I knew EdTech was where I wanted to be. And I got a, another one of those emails from a headhunter. And it was for a small educational nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, this sounds a lot like what I would have described as exactly what I'm looking for. And so I went, went to work for Achievement Network. And what they do is provide professional development to teachers along with a set of tools to give assessments to students, which are basically tests. They are formative assessments, so they're not supposed to be like you passed, you failed. It's really to inform the teacher of who got this concept, who got it at a deep level, who missed it. So they can make decisions like 80% of the kids got this concept, but might have to help out these specific students. Or 80% 80% of the kids didn't get this concept, so I might need to reteach it. And I was like, this is really cool. So they were building out a new system to create these assessments, which seems pretty straightforward. Like, oh, we're going to build some tests. We're going to have some questions. And until so you get into it and realize that there's like educational standards and it used to be all Common Core. And then, well, now it's not just Common Core. And it, it got complex quickly, which is exactly what I like to hear because interesting problems are what keep you... <laughs> Engaged. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, interesting problems in, in things like education. I don't know if, if we're doing it to ourselves as opposed to actually having interesting problems because it's going to make things better for the kids. Yep. And, and I, I've seen debates both ways with things like Common Core. 
And yep. I'm like, okay, what, what, you know, what does this cost? And not just in <laughs> money, but in, you know, the complexity of understanding what my kids are doing at the school. Yeah. Yeah. I won't even get, I won't even go down that road except yeah. to say one thing and then I'll get off of this topic because it's a hot button for me. It is. Most of the criticisms that people have about Common Core are not actually about the standards. They're uh-huh. about the curriculums that schools are choosing to teach the standards. Standards literally just say a student can add two single digit numbers. Yeah. How you choose to implement that is where the political, you know, shuffle ends up. But I'll stop myself right there because I could go on for, for a long <laughs> <I'm sure>. time. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a debate for a, a different show. Yeah. It, it looks like you've been working in the education space, you know, for a while. For a while. Yeah. I like it a lot. I mean, is that... I'm, I'm very fortunate also to live in the backyard of a lot of educational startups and uh, educational uh, innovation in Boston. So mm-hmm. so are you still at that same place now? I am going on three years. Which wow, is that's like, like forever in development. I know. <laughs> that's like three careers. Holy cow. I know. It's tenure, man. <laughs> you get tenure? No, well, I mean, I'm, I'm joking. It's like having I tenure in, in technology when you've been somewhere that long. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm just making that joke. I have tenure at my company too, as long as I own it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, so what, what, what kinds of things that have you done that you're most proud of? It turns out the hardest problem in creating assessments is choosing items. And we created mean? this like very in-depth UI for people whose job it is to professionally create content for these assessments to to choose exactly the right items. And it's, it's, it's way more than just a simple filter. Although the ability to throw a text filter across a bunch of stuff is still thing they, they ask for the most, but yeah, that one, if I, (laughs) I would love to show it off at some point, it's, it's not the prettiest thing, but when you start seeing like exactly how they're using it, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And we were told that that team was able to create over twice as many assessments as they had the previous year, just based on that change. That is awesome. So what are you working on now? Is it that same project or is it something else? No, now we're doing a quiz tool for teachers themselves. Mm -hmm. So this is a little bit different because these are not people who are understanding the content at as deep of a level as our assessment creation team. Mm -hmm. They want something that's very simple and quick and, you know, gets the job done. So it's a... The, the hardest part has not really been the, the technology. It's really been kind of fighting the UI battles mm-hmm. with people who are insisting that people are going to want very in, in-depth controls. And it, it's always the battles. Like, yeah, there's going to be a set of people that are going to want these very in-depth controls, but you really have to kind of find that sweet spot with teachers who are just trying to get through their day. So, yeah. Yeah. My mom is the head of the math department at local high school and yeah, if it gets more than a little bit complicated, then I get a phone yeah. call. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we, I, I, I hear you there. Yeah. This was the, the project that we um, started last spring. And we went through the process of deciding what framework to use because we had been using AngularJS previously. And, you know, I have absolutely no regrets again about choosing Angular, what, it's Angular 7 now. But... That would also be we can we can we can talk about doing a, a session on that. I can get some other voices in on that too. Yeah, definitely. Well, we do shows here on uh, React, Vue, and Angular, so it's always interesting to hear what what the contrasts are as far as you know how people are assessing them, and also then 
this is what we needed. And so this is what really mattered to us. Right. And you can never, ever take timing of those decisions out of it because mm-hmm. what the landscape looks like even six months ago is very different than oh, yeah. now. Like, like view just kind of came out of nowhere and was now it's, it's a major, it's a contender and people are choosing it for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is that, you know, the view CLI, you know, had a major update in September. React just had a whole bunch of announcements. I think the biggest one that people were talking about was React Hooks at mm-hmm. React Comp. You know, there were probably some announcements at Angular Connect Connect last month. And yep. I, I just haven't had a chance to go check it out yet. <laughs> I'm super busy. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's that kind of thing, right? And so it things change as far as how you're doing things, what kinds of cap- capabilities are trying to add in, or even just enable, right? So it's like, okay, we updated the plugin architecture or the way that you write the app so you can pull other functionality in. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it definitely changes. And then the community contributions are really tricky to keep up with. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been battling with my management right now about upgrading our current. Our current app is running on version six. We're still in development. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like a trivial thing. We just upgrade, right? But my management is like, very conservative about things like that. And I'm like, uh, I'm probably just going to do it and not tell them, Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> That's okay. Nobody listens to this no show. <laughs> anyway. Well, my boss probably doesn't listen, so we're good there. Yeah. I, I have had people ask me that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can say what I want because those people don't listen. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So is there anything else in your Angular career or Angular journey that you want to talk about? The way that you get answers to questions has also shifted quite a bit. I think I mentioned being in that IRC room early on. Mm-hmm. And now there's, you know, Stack Overflow and, you know, Gitter and using issues and et cetera. But the basis of learning how to ask a question well is still a skill I think that's underestimated. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it's up there with knowing how to Google well. You know, I can always Google for my answers, but there's a trick to it but even more so knowing how to ask a question, what to provide so that someone can understand exactly what you're asking. Yeah, 100%. It's funny because I have a cousin and a brother that are both doing computer science programs. And they asked me essentially, you know, what skills do I need to develop? And I looked at them, I said, communication skills. Mm, yeah. And they're like, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, which, which class is going to teach me what I need to know? And I'm like, I'm like, any more software is collaborative, right? Yeah. And yeah, if you can't ask the right question, you're not going to get the right answer Yep. from the stakeholders or from somebody you're asking for help or anything else. Yep. I mean, my father told me way back before I even knew what I was going to study in college was, you know, his goal was for me to be able to speak well and write well. And he's like, everything else you can figure out. And every day, I, I think, thank him for putting that emphasis on being able to communicate well. Mm-hmm. And even beyond that, there's the, you know, quote unquote, soft skills, communication being one of them, empathy being the other huge one that, you know, being able to put yourself into the shoes of someone, either that you're trying to build an application for, or, you know, trying to communicate an idea or teach or ask a question, you know, it goes hand in hand. I I don't, you really can't separate it out, but it's an, definitely an underestimated aspect of what we do. Although, I mean, it's lately, it's been getting more play. I think it has, but it's easy to focus on the technology because if it works, you got it right. Yeah. And with the communication and stuff, it's a little bit less clearly defined, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would love to see more people making a big deal about hiring people with these skills, even above mm-hmm. other specific attributes. And that job, when I was hired for, you know, I didn't know, I, I wasn't working in JavaScript, you know, daily. I was still doing conventional web development. Like I was a toddler when it came to living my life every day strictly in JavaScript. And if I hadn't had the ability to communicate with the people that were able to help me, I would not have have succeeded. Yep. I 100% agree. (laughs) (laughs) Because it makes makes a big, big, big difference. Yes, it does. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you have anything you want to shout out about? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Oh, goodness. I forgot my picks, didn't I? One thing I've started doing lately is using Brave Browser for just about everything except development. Mm-hmm. You know, the particularly with sites like Facebook, to, I, I'm not quite ready to, to cut the cord, but I am ready to kind of make it a lot harder for them to track who I am and what I do. So I big shout out to Brave Browser. Yeah, I really like Brave Browser. You can also, uh, by the way, contribute to websites you visit every month on it. Oh, nice. And yeah, I registered devchat.tv on there. So yeah, I think I contribute to them directly, actually. Yeah, you can just, we get, it's a cryptocurrency. It's the attention token that they have, but it's really, really interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, actually, (laughs) devchat, give a shout out to them too. Yeah, I appreciate that. But yeah, I'm also, the more I look at some of this privacy stuff and realize how much information they're gathering. And, you know, for me, it's like, you know what, it's a little bit scary for me, but having my kids online, mm-hmm. it's really... When, when you, you know, there's always the people that say that marketing doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Except it does, obviously, because yeah. companies spend a lot of money on it. But then you extend that into it works for things that we didn't expect it to work for, like mm-hmm. elections. And that's where it gets terrifying. Yeah. And, you know, we know that Facebook... God, I'm gonna. I might go down a, a bad path here. You might. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would like to believe that Facebook had our democracy at heart, but I don't believe they do. I believe that they have their numbers at heart, and their shareholders at heart, and and that it's going to take some really strict regulation to get this in line. So, yeah, they. I've seen things about Google, about Facebook, about several of these other companies, as mm-hmm. far as an internal bias. Yep. And that, that may or may not translate into the results that you see when you use them. And, and then from there into behaviors, 
people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that that's frightening too, because it's like, who can they manipulate to what degree and what's the impact in, to society for that? And it, it can cut either way. And, and that's terrifying too, right? So, yeah. well, it's okay because they're trying to get my guy elected. <laughs> but what happens if the tables turn? Yeah. And it's just, it's scary. And yeah. Anyway, and, and very interesting. So. Yeah, it is. I mean, they could do a whole like long discussion on this stuff. And yeah. And of course, I've been following it more closely than the average person. I remember when the Cambridge Analytica stuff came out, I was forwarding it to everybody. I was like, do you see this? And people are kind of looking at me like, yeah, so. It's odd to see that it came back around, that it didn't just get lost in the, in the shuffle. And, but it's, yeah, it seems like I've been following this for years and I have. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, I mean, and then again, you know, I, I think if you listen to the shows long enough, you kind of figure out where I come down politically, but yeah, the Cambridge Analytica stuff was creepy, mm-hmm. but Facebook gave a ton of information to the Obama campaign too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, neither of those is okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, well, it's a- it's a fine line between political advertising uh-huh. and political influencing. Right. It's, and and so, it's, I think it, a lot of it comes from like who is doing the buying and Citizens United is muddy the waters there. And, and the, the whole psychographic stuff, which people are like, oh, they can't tell who I am by, based on this. It's like they really can't. Yeah. And it's creepy from the perspective of elections. It's creepy from the perspective of marketing, like that they know what kind of person you are and they know to show you a picture of a, you know, Dodge Ram truck or a Subaru based on some of this stuff. So. Yeah. And ultimately, and then I'll, I'll get us off this soapbox, but uh, <laughs> you know, ultimately it's not like, and, and in some cases I think they really do. They, you know, you're this person, you live in this place, you're, you know, you have this many kids, you, you know, you're married for this long, blah, 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 blah. And in other cases they know enough about you to know which buttons to push. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, it's it's still kind of frightening because it's like, okay, so do I have to be on guard every time I get on Facebook? Because I just want to look at pictures of my nephew. Yeah, exactly. And yes, you do. Yep. yep. I, that's the short answer. You know, I can't, short of getting off of Facebook. And that's really hard because it's literally the only interaction I have with some people. Yep. And they're people whose relationships I still value. So what do you do? Yep, absolutely. Well, cool. Anything else you want to shout out about before we wrap this up? Sure. Here's the shout out for people who got into uh, programming without a CS background. You know, even though there will always be that wall of the traditional hiring interview for us, uh, we can. And if you give enough time to to study the algorithms and stuff, you can you can get there too. But we're here, and and we've been here, and we're going to continue to enter the field. And you know, let's let's not be snobs about how you learned it, and just reward people for being here. Yep. Well, and I'm, I'm also going to throw a quick shout out in for then, because I should do some shout outs too. There's a really great product. If you don't have a CS degree and you're worried about those kinds of questions, there's a product out there called Interview Cake. Mm. And they, I mean, it's paid, but they, they'll walk you through a lot of that stuff and prep yeah. you for those kinds of questions. And I'll put a link in the show notes. If you go check out that link, then they, they'll send me some money. It, it doesn't change the equation much for you, but we, we do get a kickback from that. But it's a terrific product. And I, I don't promote products that I don't really believe in. And they've helped a ton of people that I know get through that. So I'm going to shout out about them. I'm also going to quickly shout out, I decided this year that I'm going to run a marathon. Um, uh, my friend John Sanmez was talking about the marathons he's been running. And I was like, yeah, I've kind of always wanted to do it. And he's like, he's like, you have to do it. And he kind of pushed me a little bit. 
And it was just enough for me to commit. And so I've committed, for those of you who are wondering, I'm planning to run the St. George Marathon, which is here in Utah, Southern Utah. Uh, St. George is an hour and a half, two hours from Las Vegas and uh, right by Zion National Park. And so it's a beautiful area to go run through. But yeah, I'm going to sign up for that. It's also kind of got some nostalgic something or other for me. My dad ran it when I was a kid. Oh, wow. uh, We lost him this year. So it kind of has that emotional draw for me. But I realized that (laughs) I have zero chance of running a marathon training on my own. So I hired a coach and I've been really, really happy with them so far. It's, I think it's McCurdy Training. Yeah, McCurdyTrained.com is their website. They've they've been inundated. They they keep getting referrals, and I'm probably not helping mentioning it on the show. But <laughs> I don't uh, have time for you now. <laughs> their, their coach has been terrific. She's been really helpful with training and recommendations, and so yeah, so I'm I'm pretty happy with that. They had me get an app. It's V.02, and uh, you can actually then hook a coach into that, and then they can put workouts into the app, and that's what I've been doing. And then I also picked up a Garmin watch. I picked up the Garmin Forerunner 235. And uh, the reason was, was that she has me doing inter- intervals. So I run for a minute and then walk for two minutes. And I, I was about dead when I finished this morning. But mm-hmm. it's, it's really, really nice. It, it's pretty comparable to a Fitbit, except it has the GPS built in. And I, I think it tracks a few more things than the Fitbit does. I had a Fitbit Blaze right before it, so... Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to shout out about that as well, and we'll put links to all that in the show notes. As long as it doesn't show you like images of donut shops as you run, that's fine. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Slurpees, right. Yeah. yeah. Donuts, left. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for coming, Sharon, and talking to us for a few minutes. Thank you for having me. We'll go ahead and wrap this up real quick. I did forget, if people want to follow you online, where are you? I am Sharon D-O, that's S-H-A-R-O-N, D as in David, I-O, at just about everything. So Twitter, whatever. Is G Plus still a thing? I don't usually use Facebook for professional stuff for a variety of reasons we could go into. But, you know, generally speaking, you can find me at Sharon Dio. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sharon. We'll go ahead and wrap this up and uh, we'll have another story for you folks next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.